All right, folks, and welcome back to the show here, the True Patriot Podcast. It is with a tremendous amount of, uh, of excitement and, and honor on our side that we have to welcome to our show professional bass angler Matt Stefan. Matt, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is uh, by far, uh, you are the name, man. You are my headliner. Uh, on the fishing side of things, you are the you are the, you are my goat at this point. <laughs> so, no well, pressure, you, you need, no pressure. You need to talk to all my sponsors then and let them know that. That's I'm right. Not- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hopefully we can help with that. Yeah, you know, as as our audience grows, man, that's what we're here for. So, for those folks uh, in the in the audience out there that that are watching. Uh, that are kind of new to the sport of bass fishing that uh, I'm like the only guy they know uh, that has, you know, uh, tried to venture out on that. And that's on a, on a lot of my local scene here. We get that um, just because bass fishing is is not a huge thing in Colorado. It's it, there is an underground and there's definitely dedicated for sure, but uh, it's nothing like back, uh, back there, Wisconsin, Minnesota, the Midwest, where it's part of a, a lifestyle. For those of you that don't know, Matt is a professional bass angler. This is what he does for a living. He chases green and brown fish all around the country, and he's done this for a lot of years. Uh, and he is um, uh, currently you are fishing with the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. That's correct. Yeah. Are you fishing correct. the opens at all? or I, I'm currently on the waiting list. I'm a gotcha. lifetime bass member. And that used to be all you needed. You could sign up on the Lifetime Bass Member Day and you'd get into the opens, but I'm currently sitting on the waiting list. So we'll see. I don't know uh, if it if it doesn't happen, I'll concentrate more on uh, my YouTube on my off time for the opens and concentrate on the pro circuit stuff. I hear you. I hear you. You know, good for them. Uh, that means obviously participation's up. Uh, good for the sport. But yeah, kind of kind of goofy on the on the choice piece there. But nevertheless, how long uh, has this been? Uh, I mean, you've obviously been fishing your entire life, but how long have you been uh, a professional doing this only uh, in your in your life? Yeah, so I've, I've fished at the professional level for the last 11 years. This will be my 12th year, I believe. And uh, during that time, the first handful of years, I, I was working a corporate job as well. And then I went completely to full-time fishing in the 2015 season. So this will probably be my seventh year. Wow. It, where it's my primary source of income. Right. And, and how did that transition happen? I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, and we'll get into this, you know, they, they, you know, they, they look to see what is that bridge for them? You know, where, where does that happen and so forth? But how did that transition happen for you when you decided, that's it, I'm turning in my briefcase and my, my, my lunch hour and I'm going all in. Man, it, it was, uh, so, so fishing has always been in my blood, like ever since I was a, like a little, little kid, I'm talking like, it just was something that I just always resonated with me. And through college, I spent a ton of time fishing, you know, that was before college fishing was out there. And then I got done with college and I got into fishing just a ton of local tournaments. I was, I was fishing probably 20 tournaments a year on the weekends. And I was, and they were mostly in Wisconsin because I went to school up here in Wisconsin and I was back in Chicago because that's where I, I was born and raised. So I was living in Chicago and working in downtown Chicago. But every weekend I was coming up to fish tournaments and I, you know, I got pretty good at it. You know, I was pretty much one uh, at some point, most local and regional tournaments that we have here. And I, I got an opportunity back in 2011. So, like, you know, the the. Uh, the economy had taken a tank in 08, 09, all that. And FLW mm-hmm. actually had some spots because there were anglers that weren't coming back to fish. And I had a buddy that was fishing it and he's like, come on, come do it. I think you'll be all right. And I think you'll be able to, uh, you know, to, to do it. You can room with me. We'll cut costs, blah, blah, blah. So I signed up and did it. And at that point I was working as a financial investigator at the Chicago Board of Trade, which later merged with the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. So I had a, you know, a pretty, pretty big corporate role. And for that first four, four or five years, I was, you know, I, the, the, the tournaments are all in the spring, right? So they're about three weeks apart. Well, before I went to a tournament, I'd spend the week before busting my butt to try to get caught up at work 
my corporate job and try to do my research for, for the lake I was going to, you come back, you spend the, the week, the next week trying to catch up at the corporate job from being gone for a week. And then like the next week you're doing the catch up thing. And it just, I really, I got to the point where I was really comfortable with my corporate job. I felt like my fishing was close, but not where I wanted it to be. And I got to the point where I'm like, I got to make a decision here. And, you know, I most, well, actually everyone, when I, when I told like family members and friends that I was quitting my corporate job, which I had been at for that point, I think I was there for 12 years. I'd worked my way up to the point I was in management. Oh, it was a real, it was a very, very good job. And I gave it up. I, I, I didn't even have really any, I didn't have Bridgeford. I didn't have any good spot, like good paying sponsors at that point. I just knew I had gotten to the point where I was not happy in, in life. I did not enjoy riding the train downtown with the same group of people every day in the same seats. You get off the train, you walk the four blocks to the building. It's a horde. I just felt like we were all worker, worker bees, all just marching together. Five o'clock hit. We all came back, rode the train. It was just a tough, tough thing. And I was not a happy person. And I had one day where my, uh, my wife who was working, she's a chiropractor. She was working at another clinic. She came home and she had a brutal day and I had had a brutal day. And both of us were just fed up with where we were at. And we went to dinner and on a napkin, we wrote down goals and I wanted to be a professional fisherman full-time. She wanted to have her own small chiropractic clinic. And at that point that got the balls rolling. And two years later, Two years later, we're living in Wisconsin. She's got a small practice and I'm fishing full time. Man, uh, that is that is awesome. Awesome stuff. And I got to tell you, so much of that story just resonates. Um, uh, while I, I don't compete anywhere near the level you do uh, right now, I knew myself that if I was going to have a shot at going up, I was going to need to be able to compete with that group of anglers that, that even at the AAA level was going all in because yeah. the last thing I wanted to do, you know, and this is for the, for folks that are on the, the outside of the sport, they what they don't understand is that in my opinion, 90% of our success on the water is that of a, is a mental game. And if you're thinking about investigations and things in the financial world, I, I can tell you, even for my menial, you know, little career that I had going at the time, if I'm thinking about work and I'm not thinking about what's going on around me out there, you know, I'm, I'm missing the, missing the, you know, the, so many, like a, a wind change. I'm missing the fact that the clouds rolled in, you know, it, it really does uh, affect you. So yeah, that, uh, that going all in factor, that is a huge, huge deal. And, you know, it's one thing to be good at something, but just because you're good at it doesn't mean you love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think yeah. the the financial piece there, that was, Yeah, it it really, it really is one of those things you, you, it's really hard to excel, to be great at something without fully devoting your time to it, let alone trying to do it in two separate fields that are just pulling you completely (laughs) apart. And, you know, I'm not saying, you know, you can definitely be successful and multitask and have things all over the place, but you know, when, if, if you want to be at the top of your game and, you know, in any sport, whether you consider fishing a true sport or not like right. basketball, but the point is you gotta, you gotta practice, right. Yep. You, you gotta be on the water and you gotta be fully there. And you, you know, the last thing you want is while you're out on the water during practice, getting the phone call and it's somebody back at your other job saying, Hey, you got to walk me through this or you got to do that. <laughs> like, Cause that just takes you right out of the game. And then you're thinking about that. Well, you should be thinking about being on the water and it, it's just, I knew, I knew for myself that I needed to either go all in or, or decide to continue doing what I was doing, working a corporate job and go back to fishing more local and regional stuff, which I was making, you know, good money. I was, I was making a lot of money fishing local tournaments. I mean, it's, it, if you're really successful at it, you can make decent money doing that. I just, I knew I knew that I would not be happy if I looked back 10 years later and said, you know, what could have been. And Man, I isn't, needed, isn't that the I truth? Needed, yeah, I needed to try it. I didn't want to have any regrets. Fishing is is in my blood. Like, I mean, it's what I 
I eat, sleep and breathe. Right. So I knew I needed to try this. And, and I, I gotta tell you, I was really close to dumping out my third year, my first three years on tour, I finished the end of the year. I was in the seventies or eighties in points and that's out of 150, 160 guys. So I was right, right smack in the middle, all three years, which, you know, I would cash, I don't know, three, roughly three checks. I'd have three checks and then three bombs. And that doesn't sound that bad, but you got to re remember, I didn't have any really any sponsor support. I took my local tournament winnings and rolled them into my first year as a professional and then just basically spun my wheels for three years. But it was, it, you know, it was to the point where from a straight payout to entry fee standpoint, I was breaking even. But when you figure in the additional expenses right. and the fact that every day of vacation I had was used to, for, you know, selfishly, I used it to go to fishing instead of take vacations with my wife. I mean, it was, <laughs> It was, it really weighed on me. Like I was, I, I had two tournaments left my third year. I just had a bomb and I was sitting really bad in points. And I, I, on the way home, I called my wife. I said, I think I'm done for the year there. I, you know, instead of paying my deposits, I'm just going to bail. And she like the number one supporter I have, she goes, no, you're not. And I said, why not? She goes, you're not quitting halfway through the year. If you want to quit at the end of the year, you can do it, but you're finishing the year. And I went on, I, I finished. Uh, she's not I just a supporter, man. She's a coach. <laughs> yeah, the, the, last, the last two tournaments went to Grand Lake. I finished, I think, 20th. I made my first uh, top 20 cut is what it was at that point. And then the next tournament was like Chickamauga. And I finished 27th. And, you know, I drove home from Chickamauga that year. In my point standings, I was still back, you know, like, whatever 80th 75th sure. something like that but it was i just drove home and i was ready to go to the next tournament you know That's i was chomping awesome. at the bit and since that year i have never finished worse than 41st in the points i've made the championship whether it was the forest wood cup or what we call the title championship now seven of the last eight years and the, the year i missed it i actually finished 37 and that was the only time in the 20 some years of FLW MLF history that they haven't taken, I think it was 39 guys or more. Oh, and it's, wow. you know, at that point they took the top 35, but there were always like five double qualifiers. And for whatever reason that year, there were not. So even oh, though I didn't geez. make the championship, my, like I finished in the points good enough, what most years would have been or every other year would have been good enough to make the championship. So my fishing, you know, since I quit my job, my fishing is dramatically improved i feel like i get better every year and i you know i i i honestly feel like i'm right on the verge of really just continuously being in the mix for wins absolutely yeah i can tell you you know from uh from being one of those guys on the outside that that looks to the pros you know for knowledge and advice uh that you have uh always been uh on a radar and when when your youtube content started to uh increase in it in the amount of time that you had you know were releasing video content dude you've saved me mentally i don't know how many times out there I, I jumped in even at the BFL level, which is, you know, still a regional, but for me, it's a little different just because I was coming out of Minnesota fishing the Ozarks. Uh, now I'm in Colorado fishing the Ozarks, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas. Those are the things that we're going to be hitting. And I'm actually going to come back up there to Winnicani. Um, I've, I've got some unfinished business at that uh, little deal there that I have to get uh, two years ago, three years ago. Uh, had the game plan, my buddy and I, we had, we had figured it out up the wolf. Uh, things were there. Total change uh, overnight. I was still learning, you know, tournament day, don't count on anything being the same, you know, that what it's been through the whole week. And I missed two minor adjustments there. And I only ended up bringing in four uh, fish back to that thing. And I knew that had I put that fifth one in there, man, we were top five for the day. We would have been there. That's yeah. been literally in my head for like the last three years now. So it's like, okay, we, we've got to go exercise the demons, you know, from that. But so one of the, one of the pieces uh, in this whole process, you know, is, is that, that support system. And we talked about it on the veteran support services side, how important it is for them. And, and I've spoken with several of my nonprofits that, we, you know, from the, from the uh, competitive angling side, we get it, man. It's uh, it is absolutely 
uh, a team sport in that. That's why people always ask me when I say we, and it's like, well, two things. I've been a coach for about 18, 19 years of my life. And number two, you know, so it's kind of born into my head to say we, but number two, it really is without my kids, without my wife, you know, and I can only imagine with your schedule being, you know, literally twice as difficult as mine, um, you know, that, that it, it really does take them getting behind you and, and giving you that mental, you know, stability, sometimes the push when you need it. So that is super cool. Like I said, your, your wife doesn't sound just like a supporter. She sounds like a coach, man. A lot of teams yeah. need her in there. <laughs> That's awesome. She, she really is. She's, she's extremely into uh, self-development, right? I mean, nice. she's very, just uh, how, how can you become a better person, whether it's through your job or mindset, whatever it is. And she's really gotten me into that. Everything from, you know, just eating healthy to a, a holistic lifestyle to a mindset lifestyle. I mean, I've okay. spent, I spent time in the past uh, for a couple of years, I was working with a, a meditation coach and oh, nice. you know, guys, guys on tour, you know, you tell some guys and they're like, Oh, really? Like, you know, some guys are into it and some guys are like, you're weird. Like, why would you do that? But it's all based on what you said. It's all, I I've always said 50%, you know, you, you said 90% before is, is mental. I've always said 50% of it is straight in your head. You there's, you know, you show up to a lot of tournaments and half the people there don't think they have a shot. They don't have a shot because they don't believe they have a shot. So right, right off the bat, it's there. And uh, for me, it was, it was, I, so when I roll into a local tournament with no practice, no anything, I roll in and, you know, this is going to sound cocky, but it's like, I feel like I'm there to take everyone's money. Like, I feel like you roll in. My mindset is just like that killer mindset, you know? And when I, like for years, my first several years on tour, I rolled into a professional event and I felt like I was the dog with the tail between his legs. Right. And I, <laughs> even though I had some good tournaments, it was always like, God, how, how am I going to make this happen versus how am I going to make it happen today? Like, how am I going to win right. today versus how am I going to save the day? And I just, I, that bothered me. So I, I worked with a, a meditation coach and she was great. I mean, she did such a good job on working on my mental strength because I, I call it, I call it the demons, you know, in the boat, like you mentioned, like when I, when you get out on the water and stuff doesn't go the way you have it planned, it's just like the demons in your head just continually going. They're, they're just talking to you the whole time. Like, you know, you're done. You're done. Might as well go back to the ranch. Like it's just sitting on your shoulder all day. And I, I just, I wanted to work on that and figure out ways to kick, kick them off my shoulder and get me right. back to focusing. Cause if you're focusing, it can happen really fast, but if you're not focusing and you're just going through the motions of casting and fishing, but you're just kind of out there doing it, you're not, you're not going to succeed the way you want to succeed. So, I mean, I've, I've worked with my, my, my meditation coach in the past and my wife's been a huge support uh, with life in general for me. And right. yeah, you can't, you can't do it. It's, it's one of those things that that's the, the worst part about the sport is the travel and the time away from family. And if you don't have a supportive family, that makes it so much harder because now you know you're away they don't want you away and they're telling you they don't want you away, which just makes yep. it that much worse. And in my case, uh, I'm very lucky, you know, to have my wife who's able to keep home base under control when, while I'm gone. And that's awesome. Uh, we've, we've managed to work it out pretty well. And uh, it's, it still amazes me when I look back on the fact that we both gave up really nice jobs. <laughs> like I, I mean, I look back on it and I go, we, we really were making a very high risk decision, but it's really, you know, it's worked out well. I mean, it's, it, it's funny how we went from being, uh, you know, we, we were much more financially well off where it was sure. like, okay, we're, you know, we go have a nice dinner. You blow a little bit of money and everything's good. And now, you know, our stress was job related. Then now the only stress we have is more financially related because yep. both of us have jobs that are performance based. So if I don't do well, I'm not getting paid. If she, you know, decides to sit on her butt at her chiropractic clinic and not bring in patients, then, you know, we see it in our, in our finances. And we've been very lucky to be able to make it, make it work so far. 
sick days cost money. You know, yeah, when, it, when, that, when you can't get out, exactly you, you know, like, no more, no more you, paid vacation, no more paid yeah. holidays. <laughs> exactly. Like that, those are the discussions we have now. Well, you know, yeah. if we go on vacation here, are we going to close like the clinic for three days or one day? What is it? Cause you know that that's lost revenue versus somebody else paying you to take that vacation. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that this is kind of a, a good lead way. And, and, and I was just as guilty of this literally as, as, as recent as about three years uh, ago. You're doing something that is a bucket list item. The what you do for a living. There are so many people out there that absolutely are extremely envious. They, they, they wish they could do what you do for a living. And the reality of it is, yeah, make no mistake. We're, I mean, and I'm not going to speak for you, but I, I'm, I'm betting that the, you feel similar to this. Extremely grateful for the chance, even while I don't do it at the professional level, uh, competition-wise. This is all I do for a living now. I'm in also a situation where my wife has, her career has allowed me to chase this and try to build this business up and get it rolling. But you. You you look at this piece here and extremely grateful to be in that position, but the reality of the situation financially uh, and so forth is usually, you know, when people get to pull that curtain back, they're shocked and they're almost, they don't want to, they almost disbelieve the facts of what you see out there and not to get down a rabbit hole too far, but one of the pieces like you talked about travel Um Folks don't realize, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever ran is that if you want to be a pro angler or work that way, you better be ready to be a part-time truck driver and you better be really good at spending money because you're going to do both (laughs) quite a bit, you know, and that's, uh, you know, I can only imagine, you know, at that higher level piece, but where I was going with this is and see if you, you agree. I knew I had it bad. I knew I was in trouble when the 12 hour practice days the travel, in some cases, the completed tournament, you know, don't sleep the night before too well because of all the, you know, pre-tournament bugs in my head, um, compete all day in 90 degree, you know, humid weather, and then literally load the boat on the trailer, clean everything off, pack it up and drive four hours to get home. And when I realized, I love that. I knew I was in trouble because it was, I was like, oh no, I'm embracing the grind here, man. This, this doesn't even bother me. I mean, do you have to almost, you know, you, you have to have that portion, right? It's a sick sense, but you have to embrace that grind. You really, you really do. If you want to excel at this sport, almost, almost everyone at the professional level, I mean, it's, it's almost like you, I don't even know how to say it. I mean, if you, if I took, a friend out in the boat with me they could make it half the day you but when you're out there you you know if if it's a summer tournament and we're allowed to be on the water a half hour before sunrise and a half hour until a half hour after sunset i mean the late in the year when we're in upstate new york you're talking about being on the water from like literally 4 30 until 9 30 at night <laughs> i mean which is ridiculous because by the time you get home get to, you know, get some dinner, shower and get to bed. You're looking at like four hours of sleep at night. Yep. And at that point you're doing it for a week straight. Most people would say you're crazy. Like you are <laughs> crazy. And the thing is I'm not on the water during that time going, I have to be out here to make me a better fisherman. I'm out there. Half of it is just because I truly enjoy it. Like yep. what else would I like? This is what I want to be doing anyways. Right. But there's something wrong with me to say that. Like most people, 99% of the population out there would say that's not fun. Like doing what you're doing is not fun, especially if you do have somebody who questions like how hard it is. You you put them through one tournament day. And that exactly. was, that was one, of the, one of the things I did early with my wife. I mean, we weren't even married at the time. I, I, I was fishing almost every weekend locally. And finally I was like, you know what? You're fishing one of these with me. Cause now you'll know when I get home at six o'clock at night, why I'm passing out on the couch right away or something like that. <laughs> and right. I mean, we, we finished up that tournament and we were probably 15 minutes into the drive home and she was sleeping in the chair next to me. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it, it's not, it's, it is physically demanding from that 
standpoint, it's more mentally demanding than anything, but that exhaustion is real. You know, it, it is, it is a sport where, like you mentioned before, I am lucky to be able to make a career out of this, but I'm also doing it because I've put in a lot, a lot of hard work to get where I'm at. And honestly, even where I'm at now is not like, I, I think I'm, I'm a good caliber fisherman. I think I've got great sponsors. I think I've got good sources of income flow through fishing. But, you know, when you do rack up the expenses of doing it, you're looking at $75,000 a year in expenses. Yep. I mean, you know, you got to you got to generate some good income to make some income. And, you know, it's it's gotten really difficult to make a living just from tournaments. You have to have good sponsor support. And most guys have some other form of income, whether it's, you know, YouTube or guiding or rental properties, something along those lines that aren't really time consuming when they get home, but they're still, they're building equity. Let's put it that way. Revenue streams. Yeah, absolutely. Got to have those, you know, and that was uh, that, you know, it's, it's a great uh, piece here. That was one of the the changes for for us on my side, as I was, you know, chasing uh, the wrong thing in the very beginning, we moved our focus to the business side of things. And that was where we made the decision. Our focus will be to remain in a position to, you know, provide services to the veteran uh, support service side with our nonprofits that we work with. Fishing is going to have to take care of itself because to be honest with you, uh, I'm, I'm not the smartest, you know, bear, uh, you know, in the crowd, but uh, I do consider myself, you know, pretty well educated, uh, you know, 20 some odd years in the IT industry, IT management degree, master's in business administration. I'm now, I'm no stranger to, to putting together uh, business models and looking to see if they're successful or not. And I got to tell you, man, I worked for five, six years trying to find one to do what you do and be successful. And I could not find one that made me think, yeah, I I could make a living at that. (laughs) But it was like that extra piece of the revenue streams. That was the key, you know, that, and that's why, you know, uh, uh, on some previous other podcasts out there, there's there was some mention. You know, in the beginning, folks got you know really upset with the Guggen Squad group and and these you know type of things. And unfortunately, man, the sport I think is showing now that this is where it's at. You know what I mean? And that's uh, you know one thing I will say about your YouTube channel though that I love the most, and it's it's one of the things I've sent so many people here you know to watch videos uh, that you have put out. Not only do you take care of guys like myself that that aren't brand new to the sport, you you provide, I mean, like the juice on some of these things. And it's in these little tidbits that you put together there that if for those of us that are a little more experienced, we can pick up on that going, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think of that. But you also have content there for the weekend angler, the weekend warrior, the recreational. Uh, and, and I mean, was that kind of by design when you first put your content together or what was the goal there? Man, it. uh I, it really was the viewers out there dictating a lot of it. You know, when I first, when I first started, I mean, so for a year I had done just tournament recaps from videos that I had uh, captured in my GoPro and our boat were, uh, were dictated uh, or were one of the rules of the MLF tournaments is we have to have GoPros running. So I figured at that point, I might as well make some clips and put up some tournament recap videos just for myself more than anything, because I, I, I used to write a lot of detailed notes when I'd get back from an event, like, this is what I did. This is the bait. Keep track of stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I don't need to do that. If I can watch, watch <laughs> what I, was doing. I know where I was at, I can see what I was using. And uh, so I started doing that and I, you know, I didn't, I, I did it for a year and I think I had like 80 subscribers after that. And I went to a, a yearly team meeting for Bridgeford that we had and Bridgeford's like, we'd like, we'd like everyone to get more into the YouTube thing because we see better marketing through that than a lot of other forms that we were doing. And mm-hmm. uh, so I was like, well, they want it and they're my primary sponsor. So I'll, I'll start doing it. And Randy Blockett, who's on the team was at that point, he had been doing it for a year and had some decent success. And he was doing, you know, short clips, tips, some tips, some stories, some little bit of everything. And, I just, I've, I kind of went towards the tackle tinkering aspect of it. Like if you look at a lot of my early videos, like the first probably 15 or 20, I mean, there, a lot of them are straight tackle tinkering. Cause that's what I've always done. I've always been 
I've spent my winters tackle tinkering. I don't, I really don't ice fish. I didn't hunt cause I would fish right up until ice up. And, you know, I'd spent, I do, I've done, I pretty much have done everything at this point. You know, I build my own rods now. I've, I've done oh, no pretty kidding. much every, yeah, I've done pretty much all my jigs until I, I started using dirty jig stuff. I mean, all the molding I've done this, the painting and I mean, pretty much everything at this point I've done. The only thing I haven't done is pour my own plastics. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I think I could do that pretty easily at this point. I've watched enough world's worst fishing and shows like that to do it. But, uh, you I, I about you get a complete I, kit, a YouTube video and you're good to go, yeah, man. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but so I got, I was getting a lot of feedback on those videos where some, you know, some tournament friends were like, that's a great idea. Like I'm doing that. And then I would I would have a lot of comments from uh, beginner level fishermen that are like, "Can you show me like I I like what that tip is, but I don't know how to even get to that." Right. So then I I was like, "That's a good point." You know, I know I, like myself on YouTube, if I don't know how to do something, I go to YouTube. You know, whether it's whatever, build whatever, fix something. That's what. Yep. I and. Uh, so I, I was like, you know, a lot of people are probably doing that. So I, I kind of really did start mixing in a lot of beginner level tips. But like you mentioned, I always try to put some tidbits in there that just make it kind of pop for somebody. Like maybe the, yep. maybe they're a more experienced fishermen, but they didn't really understand why they were catching fish doing something they were doing. And I like to try to fully describe even if it's something more elementary in our sport, I like to fully describe it and detail it and explain why it works in situations where it might work. And it seems like it's, it's been a pretty good fix where, you know, it satisfies the more experienced angler and it satisfies the beginner angler. And I, I yep. feel like it's been a good little niche for me. And uh, the channel has grown at a, at a decent pace. I mean, I don't, I, I don't really have anything to base this, base it off of. So I, I, I feel like it's done well. I'm satisfied with it and my sponsors are quite happy and uh, I'm going to keep rolling with it. Yeah. It's uh, like I said, I can tell you, it has been a, a staple, man. If anything new comes out uh, from your channel, that is, uh, you know, I get a lot of notifications on my phone now that I'm, I'm doing the podcast and doing the outfitter store online. Yeah. So I get a lot of stuff flow through, but when your stuff does come through, it's like, okay, what's the, what is that real quick? Oh, we're going to save that. We're going to come back to that one later. Um, but you're, you're right, man. The YouTube thing is, is such a, such a huge piece um, nowadays, I don't know. I was helping my son work on his car, changing a light bulb, and literally uh, is one of his headlights. And on this, you know, in in my day, it was pretty self-explanatory how to change a headlight. Good lord, some of these cars nowadays. I mean, you got to take yeah. literally the entire front end off the car just to get to it. I've got a YouTube video up in the garage, you know, next to my tools, and I'm hitting play, and I'm watching this guy, you know, do it, so I can look underneath, you know. And yeah, it's uh, it's there. The digital era. In, in in your experience with the social media piece, what's been the biggest challenge, you know, engaging? I mean, we we can talk about all day long on the social media thing, but in, in regards to just your your career piece here, what's been the biggest challenge of that for you? So, I mean, I social media is really to me, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I I would I would I was late to the game because I didn't want to do it to begin with, because I didn't, I never really, I guess, appreciated or liked it as much. You know, I, I always kind of took the stance of, well, if I want to keep up to date with how my friends are doing, I'm just going to call them. But it got <laughs> right. to the point where, you know, I, I have sponsored contracts that dictate that I have to make social media posts. So I understand the importance of it. And, you know, therefore I, I do what I need to do to, to market myself really is what it comes down to. Right. But ha having said all that, and I, you know, I feel like social media has changed so much since, you know, I don't know, seven years ago, whenever I started it, I mean, it, it's just changed drastically. And the biggest hurdle really, in my opinion for it uh, has been the algorithms. And, right. and what I mean by that is, you know, I've got okay followings on Facebook and Instagram. You know, I think I've got, 10,000 on Instagram and 17,000 on Facebook. And if I make a post, it only goes to a handful of people, right? Like it doesn't go to 10,000 people or 17,000 people. It goes to a handful of people. 
And based on what they do, then it might get shared a little bit more. And the issue with that is it, it really becomes very difficult to reach people even. You know, it was yep. when I first got into it, which again was late to the game, it was easy to reach people because if I made a post, everyone who was friends or followers or whatever saw it. And at this point, nobody even sees it. Whether right. they want to see it or not, they still don't see it. And it's become very difficult to reach people and very, very difficult to grow uh, social media pages because of that. It, to the point now where, I mean, in my opinion, YouTube is the, in my opinion, YouTube and TikTok, and I don't even do TikTok, but those are the two places right now where I think people should be putting their time if they're trying to grow right. from a social media standpoint. Uh, but it's it's gotten to the point where, you know, with, Instagram and Facebook, which is the same company at this point. I mean, the, the algorithm really just limits you so much that I kind of question doing it, but yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, we, we made the decision to it just, and, and some folks think it's, it's silly, but the Twitter piece just didn't make business sense to us. No. Um, our objective is to share data, you know, and educate and entertain. That's what we're there to do, you know? And so, yeah, we had to make that decision that Twitter didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to us. Instagram, Facebook were the most, but now, you know, we've actually started on the, on the YouTube side, you know, following in the footsteps of, of guys like you that have, have shown its, its value, you know, and what can be done with that. Um, so earlier, and we're going to, I'm going to kind of shift gears here a little bit, but you had made mention of something that, that I wanted to talk with somebody of your caliber uh, at, and that is, West Coast bass fishing. And by West Coast, I mean, I'm talking, you know, I've always said this, Colorado is like the start of the West Coast, man. Yeah. Um, if you don't think so, go back to like when I first moved out here, which was in the very early 90s. Um, it started in the 80s, the California move into Colorado. Folks could sell off their homes out there at, you know, 500 grand back in the 80s, come and buy a house twice that size for, you know, 200,000 out here. Yeah. Now you can't do that anymore. Um, you can't even, you're not even allowed to look at a lot without like a $100,000 deposit, it seems like. <laughs> um, it's pretty crazy. But that, you know, this West Coast, it's it's all this highland, extreme highland, you know, high desert uh, reservoirs. There's very little man-made, uh, or I'm sorry, very little natural-made, you know, lake out here. You've fished the one bass open out at Mead many times. I was looking through your, your, your career there, and you've been out there, and you've done well, I mean, uh, out in there. That is like the, in my opinion, like the polar opposite to Wisconsin natural lake fishing would be lake mead i mean it's just a different bird how was that transition so easy for you uh, well not i mean relatively speaking how were you able to find success you know moving to the west west like that man it's a it's a good question because i i really barely even practice for any of those events and uh you know it's i i love lake mead like it feel it if you could fish on the moon that's what I would describe. <laughs> it's like that. It, it is such a cool place to fish, um, but I, you know, I feel like the thing—the thing that's good about Lake Mead or bad—is that the population of fish is not great. There's a lot of small fish. There's—it's really tough to catch like a two-pounder. And I like to cover a lot of water. I like mm. to, to move and just keep cruising. And it's a good pattern lake. So if you kind of figure out where the fish are set up which changes hourly even, I mean, but if you can figure it out, you can run with it a little bit. Um, and I've had, I've had good success. I mean, the one, the one year I think I finished, I'm looking at my trophy, I finished 15th. I should have won that event. I had the fish on to win that event. We had, uh, the first day was canceled due to high wind. I was sitting in third, I think after the, the second day, and the third day I went out, I weighed three for like seven or eight pounds, which is good. But I had, uh, I lost like a three plus pound largemouth on a topwater bait. And then I lost, uh, I had a two and a half pound class smallmouth that my uh, co-angler who, well, teammate, whatever, he fishes a team in that event. He uh, had never fished before. And he actually, I, so I, I'm not, I'm not at all mad at him. Sure. This, but right, he had right. never fished before and he brought his friend down who was dying of cancer and the friends it was a bucket list tournament that he wanted to fish so he drove from i think it was washington all the way down 
Wow. And his buddy, his buddy convinced him to fish because he just didn't want him sitting in the hotel room the whole time. And, uh, we went out and, you know, I was, t- he was great, great guy, but it, with that small mouth, you know, you know, how small mouth are, they're crazy. And he, he went, he'd never net before he went and he ended up catching the crankbait on the outside of the fish. And we had a two and a half pounder hanging on the outside of the net and that one, uh, ended up getting away. So those, <sighs> those two fish. Those two fish would have been easily enough to win that event. Uh, wow! So, but that's fishing. That's how. That's how it goes, man. When they say it's your time to win, like when when you win, it's your time to win. And I've had lots of close chances, and I've had multiple lost fish in those tournaments. So I just feel like it wasn't the time for me to win at that point. Do you believe? I mean, obviously, on the outside, the best I can do is based on information I'm seeing out there. But I've always told this to to the guys I travel with and guys I, I, I know out there. Our sport it requires at the level that you fish at, it requires like the perfect storm to come together. And that's, I, in my opinion, it's because of that competition level now is so freaking high and so you know the 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 gaps from first to a hundredth place, man, is just every year is just getting smaller and smaller. You, you, you look at my reasoning for saying this, that it takes that perfect storm to win is if we look at the goat, okay. Competitive tournament angler. I don't think there's much debate KVD how he's been fishing professionally for 34 years now, 35, something like that. Yeah. It's been tough. Yeah. Been tough to see here, but you look at, of his major wins that he's made. I want to say it's 29. So you've been fishing 35 years. You're the goat in a sport and you have 29 wins. What does that tell you of what it takes, you know, in this sport to actually get a win? You know, it's, it's so, I mean, do you feel that at the, at the pro level that man, everything's going to have to line up right and, and take it. Yeah, take it right? I, I absolutely do. You know, I, there. In my opinion, the best thing you can do is give yourself the shot to be up there. Meaning, you know, I, I can't necessarily control my fish weighing a half pound bigger than the guy, you know, who ends up winning the tournament. But if you, right. if you consistently put yourself around that caliber of fish and you have consistency where you're continuously cashing checks, at some point you'll get your shot at the win. And at that point, you know, I, there is, whether you want to agree or disagree, there is a lot of luck in our sport. And I don't, I don't consider Thank luck you. like, it's, it's not luck like, okay, I'm going to go out there and randomly catch fish. Right. Because that's, that's the skill is putting yourself around the fish and figuring out where the fish are at. Most good anglers can catch fish if you put them around the fish. Finding the fish is the hard part. But when it comes to truly winning an event, I mean, I, I can use the sharpest hooks in the world, (laughs) but I can't, I can't put my hook in the fish's mouth and make sure it's in the hardest part of the fish's mouth every time. I mean, you, you skin hook a fish, they come up and jump and it comes off. I didn't do, you know, you probably didn't do anything wrong. It's just what happens. Sure. And you know, when it comes to winning an event, that's just kind of, that's kind of what it is. I mean, there are times that I've, I've lost fish or broken a fish off where it was my fault, but there's times where I probably couldn't have done anything different. And it just was a matter of the hook being not in a good place and the fish won the battle. I mean, that's what happens. Well, and there's so many variables, you know, we can only control what we can control. And there's so many variables that this is where I say the the luck piece uh, does play a major factor is let's say you and I both go out to a lake and we, we spend our time and we practice I mean, what's the likelihood that, you know, I know an area that I want to start in uh, for the day one. I'd like to be in this area. Conditions look good, so I'm going to start there. But you drew a better boat draw than I did. And you had the same idea. You go and all of a sudden now you're on the, you know, this point that I wanted, that I knew, you know, it was, was, should be looking. There's nothing that you can do to control that or change that. I mean, there's a boat draw factor in there. There's, you know, and there's there is a portion in there then so that's why i always say that that perfect storm this competition thing leads me to um 
uh, one other topic I wanted to get your your opinion on, and this was um, you've mentioned him before. I, I do like watching uh, his content. I don't always agree with him, but I think I can. And I've never met him personally, but I already can tell I respect the guy uh, and love his content. Andrew Upshaw. He had, he had done a little series on a com- comparison piece between MLF uh, and Bass, uh, just talking about the two trails and things of that nature, um, and in a really, really good way. But there was one section that he got on that I completely, I understood why he felt the way he felt, but I disagreed with him 100%, and, and, and this is why. He spoke about comparing the Bass series of Bass Elites, the Bass Opens, and then he spoke about on the MLF side where he he compared the Bass Pro Tour to the Bass Elites. And then he put the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit equated to the Opens. And that is where I believe the perspective. And he had you know big challenges with this, which obviously you would. If you try to compare the Tackle Warehouse to the Bass Opens, uh, to me, in my personal opinion, that's apples and oranges. Um the in the days of what we've all been brought up in the sport, you know, Bass has kind of set the measure to that until the most recent years. FLW did a fantastic job of the grassroots stuff, you know, and then providing uh, the the old saying. I read an article once that with the old saying was in pro bass fishing: if you wanted to make money, go fish the FLW; if you wanted to make a name for yourself, go fish bass. You know, type thing, and that's the way it seemed to lay out. But in my opinion, the way I see this new landscape. You have the BFL, which is the regional stuff. Nobody else really can compete with the the MLF on that. Well, you know, former FLW, they offer more avenues for guys at a real cheap price to go out there and compete against. You know, in like the Ozark stuff, I can tell you, we're going against two hundred boat fields, man. It's they get yeah. busy down there, and we get Watson, Scanlon, those guys coming in, and they jump in. You know, some of these BFLs because it's a you know it's a good field. But then you go to the AAA piece, in my opinion, that's you got your Toyota series on the MLF side, and that is what I equate the Bass Opens to. Um, the, the next piece up, you got your Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit, and you got your Bass Elites. In my view, the Bass Pro Tour represents kind of like the all-star game, and it's like the, the best of the best move up to that. And to me, that's where you can start to see. I still agree with Andrew that there are issues there, you know, from from the angler side that continue to need to be addressed um, to make these things more financially stable. But I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, in that perspective of how you see the competition levels, how how does that play out in your in your mind? Well, I guess I would start start the conversation off by saying, like, what you just described is kind of what the problem is. You've got a perception. Mm-hmm right or wrong. Andrew's got a perception, right or wrong. You talk to 10 different people and everyone's got a different response on it. And that's, that's the biggest issue we have right now with what's occurring in the sport, because as an angler that's fishing the pro circuit, you know, I've, I've seen my personal stock price drop in marketability because there are some companies out there now that do not consider me a professional level circuit. We are a triple A circuit. You know, in my personal opinion, and this is one of the things I, I struggle with, you know, when trying to decide what to fish and where to go. I mean, there, there, in my opinion, there's no question that the pro circuit is above the opens. I mean, you know, it really, for, for me, the sport, it's a business. Tournaments are a business. And I, I look at it from a financial standpoint. So where can I support my family? Where right. can I go do it? The opens, whether, well, I don't know if anyone would argue this, but the opens truly are the worst investment an angler can make in all of fishing. Like I can't be more clear about that. I mean, that is one of the things that's so wrong with the sport right now is the fact that there are so many people willing to fish the opens knowing that they're going to lose money. And when I say money, I mean, if you know, if you fish three tournaments, one division, and you don't cash a check, which is a very realistic chance because they only pay, you know, it's roughly one out of six guys. Uh, you're looking at potentially losing $10,000 for the year. Yep. You know, I, from a business standpoint, it's phenomenal for bass at this point because they can take well, they're, you know, I think the opens pay roughly 65% payback. I mean, that's rough. If you, if you go fish a, a charity event, 
there's <laughs> ang- there, there will be some anglers that are complaining if it's an 80% payback. And 20% of that payout went to helping somebody, right? right. People have an issue with this. In this case, it's not going to anybody except the Bassmaster Elite Series to help pay their payouts. But guys are okay with that, and they're willing to do it because it gives them the shot of living their dream out as being yep. a Bassmaster Elite Series pro. I get that. You, yep. you know, If you want to get somewhere and somebody's going to make you jump through hoops, you have the decision of not fishing or jumping through hoops. Yep. And, you know, at this point, I've heard there's something like 400 guys who are signed up to fish all the Open Series, which is almost double what even get into the tournament. So there's demand to do it. Yep. It's kind of crazy, in my opinion, that there's that type of demand with the payouts. But for me, you know, when I go and I look, okay, at the, the pro circuit payouts, if you compare payouts strictly the pro circuit payouts are not much worse than the Bassmaster Elite Series payouts. Right. Like, I mean, they really are almost on a par. They pay half the field. We pay a third of the field. I mean, it's, but you're talking similar size payouts. The difference is they are guaranteed to get money back for, you know, finishing, I think, in last place. They, they may be updating that this year, but in the past, that's what it's been. So, you know, they may have 40 some thousand dollars in entry fees, but the most they can lose is 20. Well, I don't have that. I, I can't come in last place and get $2,000. So, right. you know, if I, if I fish all six tournaments, I'm out $35,000 if I don't cash a check. But having said that, I mean, we're fishing for $100,000. The top 50 places are $10,000 checks. Like there's no question, in my opinion, that the payouts are a professional level yep. circuit. I mean, that's, that to me is, is not even an arguable point. Right. As as an angler, you know, my, as much as I think that it's great to be a Bassmaster Elite Series Pro because it makes you more marketable as a tournament angler, in my opinion, it's like, you're telling me, wait, I can fish what I believe is a professional level circuit, do decent, make some money doing that. And then have the shot at qualifying to move up to another level where they basically have no entry fees. You have nine tournaments with like three big cups. I mean, and, and I can then fish the pro circuit as well. If I really want to add another six high dollar tournaments with a big championship, like there's really not any question in my opinion that that's the route to go. If you want to do it from a tournament standpoint, if you have great marketability, and you can go if you can go to the elite series and make it there, and you know you probably can make more sponsor dollars from yep. being over there. So it, it you know there's they're both good places to be if you can be at the top level of both of both levels. But I mean I I would sit here and argue that the Toyotas are a much better investment than the open series because you have the ability to qualify. It's easier to qualify to move up to the pro circuit, but at the same time, their payouts are much better than the opens and you have a $200,000 no entry fee championship. Well, it may be entry fee this year. I don't remember, but you still have a shot at fishing for $200,000. Well, you know, and I, and I can appreciate, you know, from obviously your standpoint, you, uh, I'm going to say something that that I can say and get away with for sure without ruffling, you know, and if I ruffle feathers, who cares? Because I'm a nobody. Um, but to me, the deciding factor, I'll be straightforward and honest, was when you when I look at the competition in sports, which I am not uh, a rookie with, you base your your you know accomplishments based off of that who you know which you have competed against. Um, when you look at, you know, who am I, who am I going against? When I look through the field of career accomplishments, it is hands down, just no, no problem for me to say that I look at the the level of competition at the pro circuit level and at the Bass Elite, and I see extremely comparable there. there it's, it's right across the board, in my opinion. Um, while our sport being divided ha- did bring some negatives, one of the cool things that it actually did bring about was opportunity. I mean, because let's 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 face it, had those 80 guys not moved from Bass and FLW up to the B, you know, BPT, there's guys we probably still wouldn't be hearing from right now because there's only so many dollars and only so many slots out there. So, you know, it uh, you know, it's it seems again like that double-edged sword, but I, I believe wholeheartedly in the fact that when you look at the rosters out there, 
yeah, the the elites to the pro tour. Uh, I personally think that is a that's apples and apples right there, you know, across the board. But your your point about how I'm looking at it one way, and there's so many other different you know interpretations of it. Yeah, that does hurt us. I mean, for sure. And uh, so hopefully things as time goes on, hopefully things get ironed out so that guys like you can continue to to roll and uh, and your success gets a gets a chance to pay off. Well, thank you, Matt, for you know being uh, agreeing to to answer. I know sometimes those those things can be uh, goofy questions or whatever, and we always want to make sure and not you know don't upset the that which keeps our electricity on. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I'm really not sitting here saying I, I don't have any filters on right now. I mean, if, sure. if you were to ask me about Bass or MLF, I would let you know that there's a there's a lot of issues going on with both standpoints. Both. I mean, you know, we everyone we need we needed to work for everybody, and I recognize that the organizations are a business. But the anglers are a business as well, and we need to do what's best for ourselves. And I'm sure if you talk to uh, some of the MLF brass, you'd uh, they'd let you know that I'm constantly giving them my two cents. I mean, it's uh, that's awesome. It's a world where you know you got it. You got to fight for what you want, and you know I I I do think that the pro circuit is a very good place to be, but it's not. It you need to be at the next level. Yep. Whether that's the elites or the the Bass Pro Tour, you that you're better off there as an angler. That's where you want to be. One of right. those two places, right? And you actually did, you qualified for one of the stages uh, last year and had a chance to fish that format, right? Was that stage yeah. seven? <laughs> yeah, I te- technically, in my opinion, I qualified for the BPT Tour this year because they two years ago we went to a two year average in points. Right. And uh, last year I finished tied for 10th. And then uh, before this season, they changed it to 2021 20, points or a two-year average, which ended up bumping me down. I would have been, if we had stuck with just the two-year average, I would have finished seventh or eighth in points and I would have oh. qualified for BPT. Oh. So I, I'm kind of like, I, you know, that's that's one of the things that right. you know, happened. I guess, you know, you, that you'd rather not, but yeah, no, so I, I technically, in my opinion, qualified for that, but I did fish the, my second place finish at the St. Lawrence river qualified me to fish the Detroit river BPT event. Nice. What was that? Uh, so just your feel going through that here, not to, uh, not to burn up your entire day, but the, the catchway release format, a lot of talk about it. Um, I've never had an opportunity to compete with that. I've put myself through that just, you know, doing a mock, you know, practice yep. type thing, you know, just to see what I personally would love the opportunity to, to compete like that. But what was, what was that like going, coming from five big fish piece to go into a catchway release? Was it, was it life changing yeah. or, uh, you know, how, how's that affect you? You know, it's, I've, I've got a lot of different opinions on it is a, is a conservationist. It's fantastic. Yep. I mean, I think you couldn't do anything better for the fish. As a, as a contestant, I think it's probably the most exciting format you can fish because of the fact you know where you're at and you know whether you're sinking or falling or rising. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's constant. You, you, you know, you talk about being in a stressful situation. That's it because you, you cannot sit back. You catch one, you got to have that mindset, I need another one because within five minutes, you feel like you just moved right back to where you were. <laughs> Uh, but I have, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to fish that format a couple of times. So going to Detroit really was not a, not a change. I knew what I was getting into, you know, our, our championship last year for the pro circuit on Sturgeon Bay, we did that format. Then we've got a, a regional circuit here called classic bass, uh, that mostly Minnesota, but they have, a see, it's, I think it's 40 boats this year. It might be 50 boats. Right. Uh, where they do that format as well. And I've, I've participated in some of those tournaments and it's been a, I I'm really thankful that I fished those and had some experience because it really was not, you know, a big change for me to get into, but it's, it's a extremely fun format as an angler. Like I, I don't know that most anglers uh, recognize how much more stressful and it makes you feel like you're in a true race you know, versus normal five fish tournament the issue that i that i see with it is i think that you know and this is the one of the issues that the bpt has had is how do you relay that energy and excitement from the anglers to the fans because as as an angler if i'm sitting in you know around the cut line i'm pretty 
you know, concerned about what's going on. Or if it's, you know, if it's a check line, it's like, I want to get inside the check line. Well, the fans aren't sitting at home going, I hope Matt gets into the check range. Like they probably <laughs> don't even know what the check, the, the check cuts are. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think there probably needs to be a few changes. And I think they're, you know, they're continuing to tweak some things. I don't know if the tournaments maybe are too long with six days or what, but, you know, as a fan, you sit back and watch it and go, well, Jacob Wheeler's in first by, you know, 40 pounds and it's day one. Okay. He's solidly inside of the top 20 at that point. So it's not that big of a, uh, there's no reason to watch. You're not watching to see who wins the day, really. So it's, right. there's there's some things that they need to figure out. Sure. Uh, because it really is an angler is the most exciting format I think that's out there. You know, you don't you don't go to your starting spot, catch five big fish, and go. You know what? I'm I'm gonna go fish new water all day. You know, and, and lay back. It's a it's a it's a stressful format. So a few years ago, I had an opportunity to uh, go up to all-terrain tackle up in Rogers, Minnesota, up there uh, for a pro staff event um, and had the the honor and privilege to sit uh, at the table with Austin Felix and Adrian Avina and Chad Grigsby and all those guys were, I think, Grig, I think Grigsby was there, but then a lot of the local pros, uh, you know, and so forth. And uh, with, with Adrian being there and, you know, the, this was probably 2019. So it was like the first year, I want to say of the, no, it was, it was right before the big buyout. Yeah. So it would have been 2019 there. Um, and we're, we're sitting there, we're eating our, uh, our Chipotle and the conversation come up about the Dink Fest and Adrian's just cool as a cucumber response to this just stuck with me in my head. Um, he's such a relaxed, just chill guy anyway to begin with. But his response was, you know, I, I can see how you'd think that, but I want you to think about this. And he gave this a, a similar example to what you just said. He said, in a five big fish tournament, how many times have you gone out there and, you know, you got eight hours, you're on the water. And for the first seven and a half, you got one in the boat. Things have just not gone right. And then in that last 15, 20 minute window, bang, you land on a, on a school of them, you hammer them up and you go back, you weigh in 16 pounds and man, you're a hero for the day. People are like, man, this guy's been on them all day. He says, you try to do that in this format? He goes, dude, they're not even going to talk to you. <laughs> he said, when you get on fish with this catchaway release, you got to stay on them all day, be them, you know, smaller way or, or three or four pounders. You just have to constantly stay on there because, I mean, you look at that field and, and, you know, guys like yourself that you're going up against, good Lord. I mean, there's just, there's going to be a relentless assault on these fish all day. So, yeah, that stress piece, I can tell you from, a, from being a associated around competitive angling, when I watch the events that I DVR constantly, my anxiety goes through the roof. I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I almost not sure I want to know what's going on, you know, at that point. So, well, yeah. it, it is, it, it is really, I will say when they have an event where on the final day, you've got a handful of guys all within one fish away like that, that is the best bass fishing TV that can be out there in my opinion. Yeah. And it, it's, a, it's, it, there is a place for it in the sport. I have no doubt at all. I, you know, I, one of the things I love about it is I feel like they have the ability to change, change the, the the rules per tournament, you know, if they wanted to say, okay, at this event, we're going to do uh, total weight, you know, and the next one they want to do catchway release best five, they could do that if they want to do that. And I, Absolutely. I think you may see that in the future. You know, I don't, I'm, that's my own opinion. Nobody yep. has told me anything, but I think they have that ability to do it. I think you could see, uh, special events come up or maybe at cups where they just do, you know what we're doing, one pound spots, two pound large mouth and three pound small mouth. I mean, they, they really can chop it up however they feel fit, which I, I think is kind of neat because I think it mixes things up a little bit. I know some yeah. people may, may say they just want the symbol, the, the, the same old format of five fish, but um, it's just, it's just different. You know, it's like, if you look at the, the bass where you weigh it in, you know, they want there to be drama for the weigh in for people to watch the weigh in. Mm -hmm. I, I equate to a, B, a BPT event to watching a football game. You know, for me, I'll watch the football game until the very end. I know who won. I turn it off. I don't, 
I don't need to watch post game. I know the sure. diehard fans will, but I don't really want to watch the post game. I saw who won. I'm done. I'm going to go do what I want to, I want to do. So yep. they're different. They're different formats. There's a place for both in the sport. I, I think on that conservation tip is one of the biggest pieces. I mean, while, you know, there's so many more high school and college teams that are out there now that if we're going to leave something behind for these guys, I mean, I think at some yeah. point or another, you know, mother nature, she's not infinite, man. It's these resources do get burned up. They, you know, I think we've all seen it. I, I saw it over the course of the 10 years that I was up in Minnesota. I watched those Metro lakes just get hammered on. And there's no less of, of a seven day week. There's no less than four to five tournaments on yeah. some of these major lakes every week. You know, you got yep. your Tuesday nighters, you got your, you know, your greenhorn, you got your, you know, advanced greenhorn, man, those, the, these fisheries take a pounding and, you know, it's no matter how we, we want to paint it, there's a mortality factor that kicks in. And I think at some point or another, what the fan wants, if it's bad for the fish, we have to kind of allow conservation to kind of lean. That's just my personal opinion. I think it needs to, you know, lean in there, but well, that's awesome stuff. Listen, Matt. You have t- been so generous with your time here. We've taken this. This thing's probably going to get broken down into two or three sections here for sure. Um, but I can't thank you enough, man, for, for taking the time to come on here. Uh, our whole objective is just to continue to you know raise awareness for our nonprofits. But at the same time, we want to pay homage to our roots, man, which is in fishing and, and guys like you, experts like you in the field out here. Um, that's this. I, I can't explain to you how much this means, man, to come on here and, and help us out with this. Anything we can do to help you in the future, please consider us an asset out here. We're we're here for you. Uh, for your sponsors, anything we can do out there to uh, to raise awareness on that side, we'll be glad to do, man. Well, I, I appreciate it very much. And uh, I love sitting here talking fishing with people. And if there's anything you guys need from me in the future, feel free to reach out as well. I will, man. We'll, we'll put you on the list next time we're, uh, uh, you know, up in the, that neck of the woods. Like I said, I'll be coming up to win a Connie up there for sure. You'll probably be out on the road and about the same time it's in June or whatever, but, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely try to reach out and we'll try to, uh, put highlights of, uh, of your season there. We'll, we'll keep tabs on you. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Happy holidays. And, uh, we're looking forward to the 2022 season. Sounds good. Merry Christmas to you guys as well.